Chapter 18 Seven and Nine Years Among the Comanches and Apaches An Autobiography by Edwin Eastman This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Strange History one of the most noted warriors of Tonsoroyo's band was a pure-blooded Mexican. A man of medium size, but athletic and well-proportioned, and not more than thirty years of age. He was distinguished even among these savages for his cruelty, nay, even ferocity of disposition and lust for bloodshed. His position in the tribe was that of a sub-chief, and he had attached to himself a chosen body of about sixty warriors, all men of bad standing and little character in the tribe, but all noted as desperate fighters. With this party, Hisodacha, the Spanish serpent, might be said to be on a perpetual warpath, for he was never contented to remain idly in the village for any length of time, but was continually instituting private forays in all directions. In these operations, he was in no wise particular as to the objects of his attacks. Plunder and slaughter being apparently his only motive, he would attack any party he met with that was not too numerous and in this way had several times embroiled the Comanches in war with friendly tribes, despite the stern reproofs he received from Tonsoroyo for his lawless conduct. His uniform good fortune in these enterprises, however, had thus far prevented him from falling into entire disrepute with the leaders of the tribe. Success covers a multitude of sins, says the proverb, and so it proved in his case. Notwithstanding his evil nature, I was for various reasons strongly attracted towards this man. Chief among these was the fact that he spoke English, not very fluently, it is true, but sufficiently to be able to carry on a conversation without much difficulty. Then, from the time of my first entry into the village, he had treated me with uniform kindness. Why this was so, I know not, but the fact remains that he did so, and it was by his assistance that I was enabled to perfect myself in the Indian language, and also to gain some knowledge of Spanish, which afterwards did me good service. Much of my spare time, when he was not absent with his band, I spent in his company, and in our talks I had gained considerable knowledge of his past history. What I had heard, however, only made me more curious to hear the whole, and one evening I importuned him to give me some account of his past life. After some hesitation he consented, and filling our pipes, we reclined upon a buffalo robe before the entrance to his lodge while he told me his story. 
the Renegade's History. My real name is Pedro Vargas. <laughs> Cry! It sounds strange enough in my ears now, for it is many years since I have heard it uttered. I was born on the banks of the Del Norte, where my father was a vaquero on the estate of Don Ramon de Echeverra. I remember but little of my childhood, except that my life was a hard and unhappy one, for I was one of eleven children, and we were miserably poor. When I reached my eighth year, I was considered old enough to assist my father in his daily duties. Under his tuition, I was able in a few months to ride like a Comanche, to fling the lazo with unerring aim, and to perform with credit most of the drudgery which fell to my share. In this manner, the time passed until I was about eleven years of age, when the events occurred which separated me from home and friends, and indirectly made me what I am, the boldest warrior of the Hayatans, Yesu Decha, the renegade, the terror of the frontier. The estate of Don Ramon was situated so far down the river as to be out of the track of the Indian raiding parties, and for a generation the red-skinned warriors had never troubled that region. But in the autumn of the year of which I speak, a large party of Comanches had entered Chihuahua and penetrating almost to the very center of the province, had there met with a severe reverse, and were compelled to retreat without plunder, scalps, or captives. Not daring to return to their village empty-handed, for as you know, the very squaws would have hooted them, they recrossed the Grande above San Vincente, made a wide detour, and coming down the Pecos, again entered Mexican territory, and made a flying raid upon the river towns. From its remoteness from the usual scene of these Indian forays, the inhabitants of this region were resting in fancied security and had made no preparations to resist such an attack. As a natural consequence, they fell an easy prey to the savage invaders. The Roncheria of Don Ramon was one of the first attacked, and the proud old Don and his three sons, with most of their rancheros and vaqueros, were surprised and slaughtered. Of my own family, my sister Conchita, a girl of sixteen, and myself alone escaped death. And we, with many other captives, were hurried off in charge of a small detachment of Comanche. 
of the journey to this village I need not tell you, as you have perhaps passed through a similar experience. On our arrival here, my sister soon became the wife of a chief, and to this circumstance I was indebted for much better treatment than usually falls to the lot of a captive. And here, let me tell you that your own escape from torture and death was little less than miraculous. In my long experience with the tribe, I have never known of a similar incident. But Wakomekla is a very singular man, and so greatly is he reverenced by his nation that he can do many things which Tansoroyo himself would hesitate to undertake. Garambo! But this storytelling is dry work. See if there be not a flask of mezcal within the lodge. Gaval, you have found it. So that is better. And my strange companion, having swallowed a copious draught of the fiery liquid, resumed his narrative. The first two years of my captivity were comparatively without incident. But at the beginning of the third year, I was formally adopted into the tribe. As you yourself have gone through the ceremony, it is unnecessary to describe it. But as the circumstances in my case were somewhat different from yours, I found myself on an equality with such of the young braves as had never been on the warpath. A few months later, I joined a war party led by one of the subordinate chiefs, and during the expedition I was fortunate enough to take two scalps. This at once constituted me a warrior, and liking the excitement and adventurous life, I soon became noted among the young men of the tribe. I joined every war party, and being singularly fortunate, soon gained distinction as well as scalps and plunder. By the time I was twenty years of age, I was admitted to be one of the first warriors of the nation, and had attracted to myself a number of the more reckless spirits, who would follow anywhere that I would lead. I had long been desirous of taking the command of a war party, thinking thereby to gain notoriety, and if fortunate enough to be unusually successful, I might thereafter be entrusted with the leadership of expeditions of more importance. I had frequently importuned Tonsoroyo, then as now the head chief of the nation to allow me to undertake such an enterprise. But up to this time he had persistently refused to do so. Finding that I could not obtain his permission, 
I determined to do without it, and secretly assembled those warriors on whose fidelity and silence I could rely. I made known to them my plans, and succeeded in inducing about thirty braves to take part in the rash undertaking. Leaving the village under the pretense of hunting, we crossed the Lano Estacado to the headwaters of the Pecos, and descending that stream nearly to its mouth, diverged to the west and crossed the Rio Grande. We traveled by night and remained concealed during the day, and by the exercise of the utmost caution, succeeded in evading the Lipans and the Kaigawas, through whose territory we had to pass. I had laid all my plans before leaving the village, and was quite confident that the raid would be a successful one. It was my intention to attack only the haciendas, and if possible to effect my object by surprise, for I knew that if I could return without the loss of a man, with a few scalps and a moderate amount of plunder, I would receive far more praise than if I had brought back twice as much booty, but with the loss of one or more warriors. After crossing the river, the first hacienda within reach was that which had been my former home. It had passed into the possession of Don Rafael de Achavera, the brother of Don Ramon and presented much the same appearance as in former times. Unfortunately for the success of my project, there was present at the hacienda a small party of American trappers, who had for some reason strayed into this region. These men had known Don Rafael at Santa Fe, where he had at one time resided and they had accordingly been made welcome at the hacienda. Two of their number, while out on a hunt at a few miles' distance, had crossed our trail, for I had led my party as near to the hacienda as I dared, and having concealed ourselves in a dense chaparral, we were waiting for night it being my intention to attack in the darkness when the smallness of my force could not be easily discovered. Scenting danger at once, the hunters returned by a circuitous route to the hacienda and warned its occupants. As a natural consequence, when we made our assault some hours later, they were fully prepared for us, and instead of surprising them, we were ourselves surprised and greeted with a withering volley from the rifles of the trappers. At the first fire I received a severe wound, and fell from my horse with a broken leg. Panic-stricken at the fall of their leader, 
and demoralized by the unexpected reception they had met with. My followers quickly retreated in confusion, and I was left wounded and a prisoner in the hands of the men I had sought to destroy. Upon discovering that I was a white man, so great was the indignation of the Americans that I should have been put to death on the spot, but for the intercession of Don Raphael. Finding that I was a native Mexican, his sympathy was excited, and at his entreaty my life was spared, and the Don's own surgeon attended to my wounds. It was nearly two months before I had sufficiently recovered to be able to go about, and by that time everyone on the estate knew my history, or rather that version of it which I saw fit to give them. I had represented to Don Raphael that I had been compelled to accompany the war party against my will, and concealed the fact that I had been the leader of the band. My story was easily credited because of my youth, and I was treated with great kindness. In another month, I had entirely regained my health, and Don Raphael proposed to me to enter his employ as a vaquero. To this I assented, although I had fully determined to return to my tribe at the first opportunity. But I had first several objects to accomplish, and I was therefore compelled to bide my time, and wait for a favorable occasion. Accordingly, I joined the vaqueros of the Ranciera, and for two months performed my duties to the entire satisfaction of my master. My object in thus remaining when I might have made my escape at any time without difficulty, was twofold. In the first place, I knew that it would not do for me to return to the Indian village empty-handed. My ill-considered and unauthorized foray having resulted in defeat and disaster, I could not expect a very cordial reception on my return, unless I performed some very daring feat in making my escape, or returned with a more than ordinary share of booty. The last I could not hope to accomplish, but the former was quite possible. My second design was of an entirely different nature, and its successful accomplishment promised to be a very difficult matter. Don Raphael's immediate family consisted of a wife and daughter, the latter a girl of fifteen, and one of the most rarely beautiful women 
it has ever been my fortune to behold. Her I had resolved to possess, and it was this reason more than any other which impelled me to the execution of the bloody deed I am about to relate. Guadalupe, as she was called, evidently viewed me with marked disfavor, but this only intensified the passion I felt for her. I was consumed with desire, and determined that no obstacles should prevent me from accomplishing my purpose. It was not long before the opportunity I sought presented itself, and the events took place which rendered me doubly an outcast from those of my race and color. End of chapter 18